Chapter one, origins and cultural character of Black Seminoles. The earliest recorded evidence of Blacks in Florida dates back to 1513 and relates to the Spanish exploration and settlement of Hispaniola. During this time, Spain declared exclusive sovereignty over land from the Florida Keys to Newfoundland and west to Mexico. In 1526, the Spanish settlement, San Miguel de Guadalupe, near present-day Salepo Sound, Georgia, was ostensibly the first colony with a number of African slaves. The Spaniards almost immediately became aware of the potential danger of an alliance of non-whites in Florida. As a result, special legislation prohibited Blacks from living and trading with Native Americans. However, due primarily to harsh living conditions worsened by disease and starvation, many slaves joined the Guale Indians' rebellion and began setting fires to the settlement. The rebellion eventually destroyed the colony. Those Africans who participated in the rebellion were assumed by the Spanish to have migrated to remote parts of Florida and blended into Native American communities. The Spanish would continue to be unsuccessful at establishing a permanent settlement and a foothold in the Southeast until 1565, when Pedro Menendez de Aviles established San Agustin, present-day St. Augustine, among the Timucua Indians. Menendez was granted permission through a royal charter to import 500 slaves. However, it appears that less than 100 actually arrived with the Spanish settlers. The Guale would continue to resist Spanish encroachment and control throughout the 16th century. In 1576, a major revolt occurred again, which lasted for four years. Many of the Guale who participated were killed and 19 of their towns were destroyed by fire. In 1583, a black labor force was sent from San Augustine to the settlement of Santa Elena, present day Paris Island to rebuild Santa Elena after the Spanish regained control of the area. Elena became the northernmost settlement of the Spanish. The Guale would continue to rebel against the Spanish until 1597, when another series of revolts was suppressed. As a result, the Guale settlements, particularly on the coast, went into a long period of decline and were eventually transformed into mission sites. By the end of the 16th century, Spanish settlements, particularly St. Augustine, were operating on a dwindling supply of slave labor and reliant upon Havana for imported slave workers. In the early 17th century, African slaves were in demand and were quite valuable in Florida. By 1606, Spanish Florida contained 100 slaves, of which 40 belonged directly to the Spanish crown. Spanish Florida would continue to rely upon the importation of Black slaves from Havana. In 1618, Florida officials would again request slave laborers from Havana to replace the dwindling supply of slaves caused primarily by disease, starvation, and ceaseless exploitation. Throughout the mid-17th century, yellow fever and smallpox were especially prevalent in the area and deleterious to the health of Black slaves and others. 
Spanish authority and exclusive control over the Southeast were challenged in 1670 with the establishment of an English colony in Charlestown, Charleston hereafter, South Carolina. Disputes over uninhabited lands quickly developed between the British and Spanish crowns. Both the English and Spanish understood the importance of Blacks in their quest to develop and protect their interests in the region. Historians assert two distinct Black communities began to evolve in Florida, autonomous maroon settlements in the wilderness of Florida that cooperated with Spanish authorities in the area of present-day Pensacola and St. Augustine, and a Black settlement called Garcia Rio de Santa Teresa de Mose that increased its importance by diplomacy, trade, and information gathering. Three years prior to the establishment of Charleston, the Spanish governor reported the arrival of the first runaway slaves from the English in Carolina. <coughs> it was reported that eight men, two women, and a small child had escaped in a boat to St. Augustine. Although the English both requested and demanded the return of the slaves, the Spanish welcomed their arrival. This trend would not only continue, but also increase to the degree that the Spanish king enacted the Edict of 1693, granting liberty to all runaway slaves, the men as well as the women, so that by their example and by my liberality, others will do the same. Both communities established a relationship with the Spanish such that they aided in the protection of Spanish interests. During the 18th century, the majority of slaves arriving in Carolina came from West Central Africa, including Angola, Senegambia, Windward Coast, Sierra Leone, and the Gold Coast. Runaway slave advertisements and notices in South Carolina indicate that during the 1730s, approximately 57% of the runaways came from the Congo Angola region. During the 1740s, the percentage of Congo Angola runaways increased to 61%. Between 1735 and 1765, Congo natives made up the majority of the former slaves listed in the St. Augustine records of Black marriages. Black maroon settlements in the wilderness existed by utilizing a pan Africanist perspective in the social, political, and religious military organization of their communities. These maroon communities established close relationships with the neighboring Native Americans. The two communities lived for the most part in harmony and provided the foundation for what would later become the Seminole Nation. Their culture was created by fusing various African traditions, which resulted in a pan-Africanist ethos within the community. This type of pan-African culture existed with minimal European interference. These pan-Africanist cultural traits manifested themselves in a variety of cultural forms that distinguished their communities from both Spanish society and Native American communities, regardless of their close proximity. Research has shown that these cultural traits were most prevalent in communication, artistic expression, and religion. The Maroon settlements used an African writing system to communicate amongst themselves, which was created by blending the dialects present in the community as a whole. In time, Maroon communities developed into separate settlements 
villages and towns adjacent to Native American settlements. The first noted town was Angola. It was located near present-day Tampa Bay along the Manatee River and was closely associated with a larger community. Not adjacent, but in the vicinity. Evidence such as a letter from British merchants suggests the possibility of Blacks inhabiting the region as early as 1772. However, higher concentrations of their society seem to be found in the Alapua, Gainesville, Florida region. In fact, during the Patriot War from 1812 to 1814, lar larger numbers of Blacks were noted as fleeing the Alacua County region after thwarting the attempts of Georgia planters to subdue them. On the Manatee River, Angola provided Blacks with access to the Caribbean, Cuban merchants, and the broader Atlantic region. Also, lines of communication with Spanish officials in Havana were strengthened through Cuban merchants. It was these merchants' records, fishermen primarily, that revealed the name Angola as being utilized to refer to this Black settlement. By 1818, Angola's existence was known by the United States, Spanish, and British authorities. In 1821, Angola was destroyed by the United States. Its inhabitants either fled south to the Florida Keys, where they were taken to the Bahamas with the aid of the Spanish, or resettled to the immediate east just north of the present-day Bartow on the Peace River in closer proximity to Native Americans. This settlement was known as Manati. Native Americans who also fled the Aluka County region relocated to the east of Angola along the Peace River in present-day Polk County. These particular Native Americans became known as Seminoles Thus, those Blacks affiliated with them became known as Black Seminoles. A closer relationship examination will be discussed in the following chapters. By the advent of the Second Seminole War in 1835, there were five distinct Black Seminole towns in which the majority of the Black Seminole population lived. They were Peli, Kaha, King Hedro's Town, Bucker Woman's Town, Mulatto Girl's Town, and Minati. Archaeological findings at Peli Kalahaka provide insight into Black Seminole culture. These findings reveal how Peli Kalahaka differ from both Seminole and plantation communities. The first example is the non-geometrical layout of the town. Unlike the family homestead of the Seminole or the normal layout or linear style of the state quarters and plantation society, Peli Kalahaka's length of width ratio was larger than that of Seminole communities yet smaller than the typical slave quarter. The second example relates to the pottery found at Peliklakaha. Triangular shapes on the rim shards recovered at Peliklakaha were not recovered at nearby Seminole sites. It has been suggested that these markings were individualistic creations of Black Seminoles. These markings indicate an African presence, given that identical triangular markings were found on 18th and 19th century Ghanaian poetry. A surface survey of Peli Kahaha uncovered a black glass bead, a black glass bead. Blue and green and clear beads were later discovered. Blue heads were also found on various plantations and in African-American burial sites in North America, 
including Seminole sites such as the Wee Kiwachi and the Fort Brook Cemetery. Although the particular spiritual usage of bees in the Black Seminole culture is not known, their frequent usage as adornments for poaches and clothing has been established. Throughout the shift from Black settlements to Black Seminole villages and towns, the Blacks maintained their Afro-religious values. Throughout both Black settlements and Black Seminole villages and towns, shrines and altars dedicated to various deities and ancestors were located according to the practices of their faith. These deities were fed while women would extract their breast milk to place on the tombs of deceased children. The dead were buried facing the east during religious ceremonies and worship services, call and, spot, call and response and counterclockwise dancing and singing were commonplace, all of which are traditional African religious expressions. Known African cultural retentions, particularly in the area of religious expression, seem to confirm a strong tie to West Africa. For example, the act of naming a child was considered a religious matter that warranted a ritual ceremony in many West African cultures. Historical evidence clearly suggests a strong Congo angling influence in Black Seminole culture, especially in the practice of naming. Although slave names such as Pompey, Scipio, Caesar, Primus, Venus, Diana, and Daphne were more prevalent among the list of Blacks immigrating to Florida to Oklahoma, West African names such as Dimbo, Dindi, Kufi, Mungu, Juba, Kweko, Kuje, Suke, and Rini uh, were also noted. Words of Congo Angola origin comprise approximately 40% of Gullah dialect items of which the Black Seminole language Afro Seminole Creole is derived. The Black Seminole name Dindi was an African derived word in the Gullah language, meaning small child, and was used to express endearment between boys and girls. The word Dindi is also listed as meaning child in the Gullah language. The Afro-Seminole Creole language is an English-related Creole. It is a descendant or derivative of the Gullah language. Due primarily to the isolation of Black Seminoles, the Afro-Seminole Creole language has retained to a large degree Gullah terms. In linguistics, Creolization is defined as a process by which a new language develops through the interactions of communications, communications which do not have a common language. In the case of the Black Seminoles, AFC's earliest formations including a creolization of English and a mixture of West African languages. AFC is considered to be almost identical to the conservative of the Gullah of a century ago. But it does not have the non-English sounds which Gullah has. The African influence on Gullah is reflected in the incorporation of Sierra Leone Creole in Mende terms. However, Mende did not have a strong presence in Sierra Leone until after 1800. Therefore, Mende words are not found in AFC as it was formed prior to 1800. Linguistic research indicates that both the similarities as well as the differences between the two languages can be identified. In example one, both Gullah and AFC utilize E as the pronoun, E, she, or it, as well as the word no, meaning not or doesn't in English. In the Gullah translation, there are two sentences demonstrating the change in the language. 
and the adoption of the word ain't. It has been shown that the creolization of Gullah resulted from the infusion of more derivatives from the English language. Example two further demonstrates the adoption of ain't in Gullah while ASC maintains a closer Africa cultural connection with an African-based dialect. In this translation of modern ASC, the word modern is pertinent here because the translation is derived from studies of black Seminoles in 20th century Texas. By examining the African, the Afro-Seminole Creole language ASC, we are afforded the ability to trace black Seminoles migratory patterns. South Carolina and Georgia. From 1670 to 1749, both states relied heavily upon West African slaves. It is in this area that Gullah was formed in North America. Two, St. Augustine. ASC is noted among the runaway slaves in St. Argentine in 1699. Andros Island. From 1812 to the mid-19th century, Black Seminoles began to take residence on Andros Island. Today, Black Seminoles live there at Red Bay. Ana Bacoa, Cuba, around 1820, Black Seminoles are reported to have begun arriving and settling near Havana and Guanabacoa. Negro Fort, in 1816, Black Seminoles are recorded living in the Northwest area of Florida. The Negro Fort will be discussed later in the study. It is important to note that these areas are not the sole locations of Black Seminoles in Florida, but areas where they were highly concentrated and where ASC was highly visible. In English, we say, where did those women hear that you didn't want to go to John's house with us? In, in Afro-Seminole Creole, we say, do we see the old men dem ben yede she whom I know old one fa go to John's house with we? In Creole, we say, no u see the old men dem ben yere she una no ben one fa go na John's house with we? In 1739, Governor Manuel de Montiano officially established the town of Gracia Rio de Saint Teresa de Mose, approximately two miles north of St. Augustine. Fort Mose was located at the head of Mose Creek, a tributary of North River, which provided an abundance of shellfish and saltwater fish. Freedmen planted in the fields nearby while smaller maroon communities developed in the vicinity. By the time Fort Mose became an official town, St. Augustine had already earned the reputation of being a safe haven for runaway slaves. Thus, in August 1739, word from Native American allies in the nearby areas reached Montiano, confirming that the British had attempted to erect a fort in the Apalache region northwest of St. Augustine, but the Blacks revolted, murdered all the whites, and escaped. These runaways days later would seek directions to the Spanish from Native Americans they met in the wooded areas of Florida. Fort Mose quickly became known as a center of Black freedom for runaways and a village of new converts as all residents received some type of Catholic instruction. In the following year, Georgia Governor James Ogo Thorpe invaded Florida, wreaking havoc on Spanish communities in the territory. Although Governor Oglethorpe's invasion was unsuccessful, many Spanish forts and settlements were destroyed, including Fort Mose. 
for the next 12 years, inhabitants of Fort Mose lived among the Spanish and St. Augustine. The small maroon communities that existed in the wooded areas surrounding Fort Mose were forced to flee further into the woods and joined other maroon societies or Indian settlements. Research has shown that during this time, Florida's black culture was infused with Spanish values, including Catholicism. For those blacks who relocated to St. Augustine, a bond formed between the important members of both communities. Due to the fact that there were always a lower number of female runaways, black males looked to Native American free or enslaved women in St. Augustine for companionship. Interracial relationships commonly existed in St. Augustine, whether through cohabitation or formal marriages. For example, there's the story of Thomas Crisotomo. Thomas Crisostomo and his first wife were Congo slaves belonging to different people. In 1745, they wed in St. Augustine. Pedro Grosales and his free wife, Maria, were the godparents at the wedding. By 1759, Thomas was a free widower. In the following year, he married a widow by the name of Maria Francisca. Thomas' godfather had also gained his freedom by this time. However, his wife and at least four of his children were still slaves in St. Augustine. The line between slave and free was altered and crossed in marriage, seldom without difficulties. Mutual obligations were understood and honored by both groups. Many of the Blacks in and around St. Augustine also had extensive contact with English and Yamasee cultures. Therefore, what research discovers is that due to the frequent interaction of members of Fort Mose with St. Augustine residents, those particular Blacks were exposed to outside cultures much more broadly. As a result, more cultural diversity was incorporated into their African-centered traditions. Also, once Blacks gained their freedom, they closely associated themselves with various Indian tribes and cultures. There were objections to Blacks living in St. Augustine. Poor Spaniards viewed the relocated Blacks as competing wage laborers. There is little doubt that racial prejudice also became a factor. In 1749, the new governor, Melchor de Navarrete, decided to rebuild Fort Mose. In 1752, when Governor Fulcino Garcila de Soles attempted to remove Blacks from Fort Mose, he faced stern opposition. Governor Garcia de Soles reported to the Crown that Black opposition to their return to Fort Mose was not founded in fear of attacks, but by their desire to live in complete liberty. This raises questions as to the validity of historical descriptions depicting Fort Mose as a free Black town. Evidence of forced labor and forced conversion to Catholicism has caused researchers to question the freedom of those Blacks at Fort Mose. The evidence of a culture racist suggests that if these Blacks were in, not indeed re-enslaved, they certainly did not enjoy the same freedoms. Regardless of the exact status of the Blacks at Fort Mose, Blacks in and around Fort Mose were involved in a cultural adaptation process that mixed African, English, Spanish, and a number of Native American cultures. Archaeological research uncovered artifacts of material culture that demonstrate the cultural adaption process. For example, a, hand, a handmade pewter medal was found that depicted St. Christopher on one side, while the other had a pattern resembling the Congo star. Thus, much like their Black counterparts in the wilderness, Blacks who remained in close and constant contact maintained 
African cultural ties, particularly with the Congo, regardless of the contact with larger outside cultures, Blacks continue to develop and maintain their own cultural identity. In 1763, Florida was occupied and controlled by the British for the first time in approximately 20 years. During this time, the majority of Blacks associated with St. Augustine and Fort Mose relocated to Cuba. All of the inhabitants of Fort Mose were relocated. In 1784, when the British returned, the Blacks also returned. However, how many Blacks returned who were occupants of Fort Mose is not known. Fort Mose was not reestablished. Thus, the Black community of Fort Mose remained scattered. Although the Spanish returned and established control in Florida again, Blacks had begun to foster a close relationship with the Native Americans in the region, who had by now begun a new Indian nation known as the Seminole. Black Maroon settlements were established in close proximity to Seminole settlements, villages, and towns. In time, they became known as the Black Seminoles. Black Seminoles would eventually come in contact with Fort Mose descendants through trade, thus exposing Black Seminoles in Florida to various aspects of Caribbean culture, particularly material culture. From their initial arrival in the 16th century, Blacks began to absorb from European authorities and establish maroon societies in the Florida wilderness. As the Spanish began to establish settlements and control of Florida, Blacks began to increase in number. In the 17th century, Spanish control in the region was threatened with the establishment of English colonies in South Carolina. In 1687, Spanish officials reported the first runaways from the nearby English settlements. The Spanish crown, interested in maintaining control in the southeast, began to encourage runaways from English settlements and colonies. As a result, two distinct Black communities evolved. Those runaway slaves who remained in the Florida wilderness established communities and relationships with nearby Native Americans and Spanish authorities. They developed an African-based culture which incorporated Native American and Spanish cultures. Although they lived in close proximity to Native Americans, they maintained a closer identity to West Africa. This culture included material objects such as pottery and object scripts, as well as language. As early as 1739, fugitive slaves were settling at Fort Mose, located just outside of present-day St. Augustine. Blacks agreed to help defend St. Augustine from outside European invasion in exchange for certain liberties. The protection served three primary functions to maintain a social and strategic relationship with the Spanish, to maintain the Spanish foothold in St. Augustine, and to advance Blacks within Spanish society. The Spanish provided food until the first crops were harvested, a priest for religious instruction, and established a military unit. Arguably, Fort Mose was the first free Black settlement in what would become the United States of America. At Fort Mose, Blacks would also create a culture that woke together African, Native American, and Spanish elements. However, this particular community was transported to Cuba. Over time, runaway slaves began to prosper and increase in numbers. 
Blacks either lived in separated communities near Seminole Indians or joined them by cohabitating or intermarriage. Thus, they became known as the Black Seminoles, a nation within a nation. Black Seminoles would continue to exist with an African-inspired culture that included a mixture of Spanish, English, and Native American components. <laughs> 